We've been fighting a long time, and we have all lost so very much, so many loved ones gone. But you are not alone. There are pockets of resistance all around the planet. We are at the brink. You have no idea how important you are. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. By I'm coming in with you a different sort of book, one for kids, but I think uh, kids are hard, young adults with kids at heart can uh, enjoy this as well. You probably heard of the first book. This is the second, the Lego book, The Holy Mass. With us is Kevin O'Neill, and Mary's in the room too, but they're only using Kevin right now and the fish behind him. So I don't know the fish's name. Did he make the book? The, the fish are not actually there is a fish tank in uh, one of the pictures so yeah they did so kevin welcome thank you for coming on and uh how you doing steve thanks for having me i'm doing great and uh yeah just excited to be here so if anybody doesn't know this the original book is the catechism of the seven seven sacraments my kid loves this book and uh here's the screenshot from the uh, thing from their uh the original one my kid destroyed the book. I'd have it with me right now, but it looks like uh, it looks like somebody bombed it, tore the pieces up, the, the binding's coming off because we've had it for three years and he's done everything he can to destroy it. But he loves it. I mean, there was, I've sent Kevin photos of uh, little Steven going through it, just looking at it, sipping his milk. And uh, it's a great ad if you, if you ever used it, but I, I'm sure other kids have has that same, uh, same background to it. Here- I'm showing this video because it looks, it's a lot of work had to have gone into this. So I would say get that one as well, but here's the new one that's coming out is the one on the mass. Sophia Institute's picked up on it. And like I said, with us to talk about it is Kevin O'Neill and uh, his wife is again is in the room. And so Kevin, why Legos? What inspired you guys to go, you know what? We need to make a book and we're going to use Legos. <laughs> you know, and I just want to double check because my earbuds uh, died, but you can hear me fine still, can't yeah. you? Wonderful. We, the, the reason we went with Legos, it, uh, the evolution of it was my children had a book and it was called the Brick Bible. And it was a New Testament, all illustrated using Lego toys. And all of a sudden we realized that that book was completely blasphemous. It was written by a, a transgender atheist who was actually trying to manipulate children to no longer uh, believe in, in the truths of the scriptures. 
And so when, when we found that, we said, you know, we got to get rid of this. Well, it had such a pull. We're a homeschooling family. We're, we're expecting our ninth child here in uh, about five weeks. And it, it was one of those things where as a parent, you're always kind of uh, pushing or, you know, coming to the table, working through. It's a very, uh, you know, you homeschool. That's, it's school. And this was something we could throw on the table and the kids would just go to. It had this natural pull. Well, when we found out that it was completely blasphemous, we had to get rid of it. And so my son continued to ask me, well, can't we just look at the pictures? Can't we? And I said, no, but I'll tell you what, we're going to make one and we're going to do it right. And we're going to teach families the sacraments from a biblical point of view. And we're going to follow Pope Benedict XVI's Theology of Covenant, which really unlocks the Eucharist as the master key, because once you understand the Eucharist, now everything else starts to fit in. And that's really the beginning of it. We joked off camera and uh, two years ago when the book came out, or it was two, three years ago, that uh, you were getting heat because somebody in the first book was upset that you had a veil on a Lego character. And I'm going, <laughs> first off, that was just, how did you get the veil on the Lego character? And two, what do you, I mean, is it one of those things that you just can't please everybody? I mean, when we get to the point that we're upset at a Lego character for wearing a veil, uh, we might need to check something that uh, we have an issue. I'm I'm stuck in the middle, uh, and and I'm happy to be here. So yeah, we get we get heat from from both sides. But I I you know what I want to qualify that it's very much few and far between. And so I think what happens is most people see the joy in it and the joy that it brings to children. And then when they see the orthodox teaching in there, it eliminates any kind of questions that anybody has. And so we've really been able to do that. People did look at it with a very skeptical eye at the beginning, and they should have. They have that responsibility to do so, to you know, uh, filter what's going to their children. Because, I mean, we got behind the eight ball with that one, uh, with the, the book I had just mentioned uh, to you. So there is that. But look, I've had people tell me, well, you know, they, this is an old, they have an old approach. Nobody has high altars anymore. The priest's back is to the people. And, and first off, for anybody that does go to a, a, an ad orientum novus or, or a uh, Latin mass, how how often is the priest's back really towards you? It's, it's such a small part of the mass uh, that it's just nonsense. But it's so I'm, important. I've always yelled at the bus driver for having his back to me, too. The, yeah, it, it's, it, <laughs> that's exactly it. But... They're, they're missing what is, is supposed to be taught there, and that is the high altars and the architecture of the church uh, is supposed to show us the reality that, that we're participating in. And so when we see these high altars, most of the time they're in the shape of a mountain. Mm -hmm. And if, if you're at a mountain, what are you supposed to think of then? Calvary. And it's made present. And so that's what that's why we show high altars. And not just because of that, but because of the beauty. And we've taken pictures and, and tried to do the uh, kind of, I guess I'll just call it the common altar that you'll see in a lot of parishes nowadays. Mm -hmm. And it's not as beautiful. And it, the, the truth is transcendent and it occurs in our pictures. And so we try to make the most beautiful pictures we possibly can to make the faith transcendent. And this is how it goes. Like, like I said, I mean, my, you know, my kid when he was... Two and three years old, he couldn't put the book down. It's the colors, obviously, the beauty and the, th the the story behind it. I mean, everything in it was 
engaging to, to kids. I mean, we have both. We have that, yours, and we have uh, uh, another is kind of like a cardboard book that has some beautiful photos. And they go, you know, they love the lion that's in it. They love the animals that are in it. But, I mean, they only have like 18 pages total on this. Yours has 200, 300. You even have your uh, family portrait on the back of the original book in Lego. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which it, it, and, uh, yeah, that was one of those things where they wanted to do a regular picture of us. And I just said, nah, let's just keep it consistent. And so uh, we did that portrait. And I was so happy we did it that way because it, uh, well, because of obvious reasons. So how long did it take this one? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, obviously when you're building an alter, you're building Legos, you saw the, the clip in that video, you have probably millions of these pieces. How long does it take you to make this book? I mean, you got to put the storyline together, then you got to build it and get the photos together. Yeah, it, this last book took uh, longer than we wanted it to. COVID came along. I was sick with COVID for quite a while. Uh, I own a landscaping company, and then I had to uh, kind of hop out of that. We kept several accounts, but I just I couldn't breathe for a good four or five months. And then uh, we ended up, uh, I had to take a, a sales job, and so all these things came into play. So it, you know, from the release of the first one, it took about four years. And again, we're putting in hours and hours and hours a week to make these, this happen. Uh, and it's not our, you know, it's, it's not our bread and butter. And so uh, as a result, this one took, like I said, four years. The very first book we did took a uh, little over two years. And you're building scenes. You're working 10 hours a day, uh, three of us usually, maybe sometimes four of us. And so what goes into it is, uh, I don't think people realize it. I don't think we even realize it until we're done and we go, now what do we do? <laughs> and I like this phase, the now what do we do phase. <laughs> yeah, I'd be, I'd be uh, having a heart attack if I was going, oh, I skipped the phase. We got to go back and redo something like that going, I can't imagine. I've never, I, I'll full disclosure, I've never built Legos, but I've seen other kids do it and it's, it, to me, it's incredible when I see, like, uh, this. remember back in Sparnberg, uh, one of our favorite families was this Chinese family, and kid, this kid could build know, just anything you could think of with Legos. It was amazing, the creativity out of it. So just for you guys to do this in a Catholic stance, and just like in the video where it shows the, the Red Sea going up on the – how you pull that off? And it's just – I know that had to be some fun. Just let's just throw all the blocks together and have the guys swimming in the Legos. I mean – the creativity has to go in this has got to be beyond the normal, uh, normal realm. It is, you know, there, are, and like you, I, I think it's funny. So I think you have most adult viewers here, which is great because I have a confession. I am living a lie. There are two things I never thought I would do. One is play with Legos and <laughs> the other is write books. In fact, I remember when people used to come up uh, to me and say, Oh, you should write a book. And I said, no, nah, you should just read the books I've read. I'm like, it's, it's already out there. If I write a book, it's going to be the same book that already exists. And that's, uh, that's nonsense. And then uh, when this came along, so it, it, it's time to play with Legos. When I was a kid, Legos were just bricks to me. There weren't the minifigures. There wasn't, it's not what it is now. Today, whatever a child likes, it's a Lego. If you like Disney's, uh, uh, what is that, that uh, Frozen. It's Lego, Indiana Jones, Lego, Star Wars, Lego, you name it. Everything is a, everything is funneled into Lego toys. And so it's the biggest toy in the world uh, because of 
the way they've been able to do it. But what I want to make sure, you know, what makes our book so unique? The Legos are great, but they're just the gimmick. And, and what they are is just kind of that candy coat for real theology to teach children in a repetitive uh, manner in which they can it, it imparts it into their long-term memory. So, for example, for anybody that hasn't seen our, our books, uh, we have this in, in both books because it's so important. It's pivotal. But and imagine on one side uh, we show, and maybe you could actually, if, if you have... Um, the page pages 16 and 17 16 through 17 and so right here on this particular page we show how sin comes into the world and then on the next page don't go there yet we show how sin leaves so on this page you can see six squares and we show sin came into the world god walks with man we see him in a garden the garden of eden a man and a woman adam and eve at a tree they take the fruit from the tree they eat it and sin and death enter into the world. Mm -hmm. And then on the next page, which is right next to it in the layout in the in the hard book, we show how sin leaves the world the exact same way. Jesus, who is God, walks with man. And then the next picture, we see him in a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane. And then we see a man and a woman, our Lord and our Lady, at a tree, the cross. But this time, the fruit is put back on the tree. And that's scriptural. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. And we have to eat from the fruit of that tree, which is the Eucharist taken from the tree of life, so that sin and death can leave the world. And then if you go to the next pages, we take it even a little bit further in this book. Uh, keep going. A couple more. Right. Uh, just right after that. Yep. Right here. And you see, after they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden... When sin came into the world, an angel was stationed in the east with a fiery sword so that they may not re-enter. And then as sin is leaving the world in the Garden of Gethsemane, what does Christ tell Peter? Sheath your sword. So in one garden, the sword is drawn. In the next garden, the sword is sheathed. And then on the next page, we show how when they were leaving, the ground was then, oh, it's the following one right after this, I'm sorry. I missed it, but that's okay. I'll just talk. After, as Right there. As they were kicked out of Eden, it's the bottom two pictures, the ground was cursed with thorns. And when Christ left the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes our curse and crowns himself with it. And so all we do in our book is we just take the dots that have always been there and we put them right next to each other so that kids can learn through imagery. And if anybody has an issue with the idea that uh, of using Legos, what, what you're missing is how powerful images are in the mind of a child to be able to take them into the transcendent truth and to learn these this typology so that when they move throughout their life, they can understand our beautiful faith even better. Yeah, on top of that, it's exciting and get some uh, excited to learn more and turn the page and talk about it. It does. Uh, we have, you know, it's it's very interesting too. We have uh, so many reviews starting to come in. We have seven reviews right now on the Holy Heroes uh, website. Mm -hmm. People can go there. People that have, have read the book are already starting to say, oh my goodness, I learned so much about the mass that I never knew before. And our catechism, our first book, 
Uh, if you go to the Amazon reviews, you can find there so many people, adults and youth, learning so much about the faith. In fact, even if you go to this, I think it's uh, slide 118, page 118. Yeah, right here, you can see the image of the sacred heart of Jesus uh, that we, we made in the book. And this is really the exclamation point. And we'll just leave it here as I explain kind of where we, how we ended up uh, with the sacred heart. In our, our book, we explain how, you know, uh, mo well, let's start here. Unbeknownst to most people, God didn't just tell Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, even though Charlton Heston delivered the line perfectly. He said, let my people go so that they may worship me. And then what does he do? He leads them into the wilderness and teaches them how to worship him. So what's that look like? He tells them how to, how to uh, make the tent of worship, how to deploy the priesthood, how to ordain, what kind of oils to use to ordain the priests, what kind of vestments they're to wear, how to build the altar. And then God tells them how to build the tabernacle. And God who dwelled upon the mountain places himself within the tabernacle, overshadowing it uh, as a cloud by day and fire by night. And the tabernacle has always been the meeting place between God and his people. Well, now all you have to do is fulfill that. Christ crucified on the mountain now dwells within our tabernacle and forget meeting place. This is now the joining. This is now the union between God and man where we get to, our flesh gets to participate in the resurrection through the resurrected flesh of Christ our Lord so that we can live forever. And so we show in here how Moses went up the mountain and comes down the mountain with the Ten Commandments, which is the word of God, written with the finger of God into the stone. It is the covenant, and it's the law. When we're at the Holy Mass, the priest ascends the mountain, and he comes down now with the Eucharist, which is the new covenant. It is the word made flesh. It is the law fulfilled. And the Old Testament and the New Testament have a a verse that kind of volleys itself. And it begins by saying in the Old Testament, I will make a covenant with my people. I will write it on their hearts and put it on their minds. And St. Paul says it best when he says, this new covenant, not written on tablets of stone, but written on the fleshy tablets of their hearts. And when we receive this covenant from the priest, from the mountain, what are we receiving? The same finger of God that wrote the law into stone now writes the laws into our hearts. And it's like we're getting a heart transplant from Christ himself, because what is every single Eucharistic miracle? They're all heart tissue. And then that's where we go and we show the sacred heart of Christ and show the reality that we're participating in at the mass and how the mass is the new Exodus. There's a nice little uh, monstrous right here. Yeah, that uh, I can't believe you didn't recognize it. It's from Lanciano, Italy. Uh, <laughs> I just, I just, I was just reading the caption as when you said in Lanciano, I'm going. Yeah, yeah right I'm after we go into that, we, we show Lanciano. how the Eucharistic mirror. Uh, you know, we go into the Eucharistic miracle of Lanciano, uh, which of course is where uh, Saint Longinus was from, the the man who speared the side of Christ. And that brings me, I mean, that, the book is so littered with typology. That's what I love about it is teaching children typology. Speaking of, of the side of Christ in the beginning of the book, we show how 
in the first creation story, guess what day it was when, when Eve was born from the side of Adam? It was Friday. And what day was it that the church was brought forth from the side of Christ? It was on Good Friday. Then on Saturday in the first creation story, God rested. Well, did he rest because he was tired? Of course not. Was his endless power now needing a recharge? Of course not. He's calling his shots. And then in the new creation story, what happens? Christ rests on Holy Saturday. He's laid in the tomb. And then when he kicks it off on that eighth day, the day of new creation, the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week, what is he mistaken as? A gardener. And so this is our new creation story. The mass is the new exodus. And, and we get to participate in it. We get to receive the manna as they received the manna in the wilderness. We get to walk through the water again. Every time we go into mass, we walk through the water. Uh, guess which way the exodus took place to? To the east. The promised land was to the east of Egypt. And so whether your mass is ad orientum or your, your mass is a... Uh, kind of what we see throughout the, the church today, it still starts journeying towards the east in the procession where we go and hopefully your tabernacle is at least at the east because that is so important. That's where the resurrection is going to come from. And this is how we process through the Exodus. That's funny you bring that up. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, St. Peter's when the consecration happened a long, long time ago that people would turn because I don't think it's facing east, but they had to turn and they faced east while the consecration was happening behind their backs. Liturgical east has always been, obviously there's... Right, right, right. The difference between liturgical and obviously, yeah. Yeah. These these guys are literally going looking east because of that that exact reason. Yeah, Uh, and to complement that, I mean, look, uh, Catholic cemeteries forever, guess which way you are going to sit up looking to the East. Mm -hmm. And so Catholics have had the East ingrained in us forever because we've understood it as the Exodus and we've lost this uh, over time. But I do think it's, it's really uh, the dust is being blown off of it and it's a beautiful thing. So another one you wanted to bring up was worship Uh, slide 104. Yeah, and, and so here uh, you can see the images of what I just talked about side by side. You know, they, and let me put my glasses on to, uh, to be able to see it here. But yeah, it's, it, it shows they ordained priests. We have ordained priests. They had specific vestments and anointing oils. We have specific vestments and anointing oils. Uh, God taught them the importance of the altar of sacrifice and the lampstands, we have the sacred altar adorned with candles. And so this is what we, (laughs) we are participating in the new Exodus. And when you look even right there, uh, God was very specific about the tabernacle and its importance for worship. And we have the tabernacle at the very center of our worship. Just as God dwelled upon the mountain and then uh, placed him and dwelled among his people in the tabernacle. Christ, who was crucified on the mountain, now dwells within our tabernacle. And so these are this is the biblical typology of our mass that 
when we are we're journeying through the Exodus story in in a way that people don't even stop and, and think about. So much so even, and I don't know uh, what page this is on. And and so I want to show this uh, beautiful picture. The top part is, is Photoshopped on, but everything else in there that you see are Lego, except for the statues. We 3D print the statues because using real Catholic art is so important. But getting back to the to the Exodus story, you know, that's a solid setup, <laughs> isn't, isn't it? Great, uh, Saint John Cantius. If you're not familiar with their order, they're up here in the Illinois area, and uh, Saint John Cantius is in downtown Chicago. It was voted one of the most beautiful churches. It was actually number one uh, in in the country. And it's just an absolutely gorgeous church that if you haven't heard about the history of it, uh, it has a beautiful history as well. But in the book, as we sit here and we travel towards the east, towards the mountain of Calvary, you know, it's so important because in the Old Testament, here we are. God... Hold off on that thought. Here's the, just in case you guys want to know oh. what that, that thing looks like compared to what they just did. I mean, that's, that's as good as you're going to, that's pretty darn God good. Close. Yes. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah. I, I just had to bring that up because I mean this, you didn't just willy-nilly that one. No, no. And and as we as we and that's what's so important too is this church architecture that shows us the reality that we're participating in. And so when you look at, at this Exodus, you know, look in the old testament, as we just mentioned, God taught them how to worship him. Well, now in the New Testament, Jesus, who is God, and, and Christ is the new Moses, right? You had Moses, who's your main guy, had his inner circle of three, Aaron and his sons. He had the 12 and the 72. Now you have Christ, who is God. He has his inner circle, Peter, James, John, the 12 and the 72. He's the new Moses. And it's shortly after the 72 come back. They ask Christ, they say, Lord, teach us how to pray. It's the only time they ask God to teach them how to worship him, teach us how to pray. And what does he teach them? He teaches them the Our Father. And what's interesting is both Matthew and Luke's account are based upon their liturgical understanding. And when you look at the Our Father, the perfect prayer, and you look at the Mass, the perfect sacrifice, the two of them line up extraordinarily. It's not a coincidence. The Our Father begins by invoking God's name. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The Mass begins by invoking God's name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, invoking even the revealed God to us. After we invoke God's name in the Our Father, heaven and earth come together. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The same thing happens in the Mass. Heaven and earth come together. After heaven and earth come together in the Our Father, the next verse is, give us this day our super substantial bread, the Epiusius. It's not a pizza. It's not a hot dog. The Eucharist, the bread of life. Guess what? After heaven and earth come together in our liturgy, we are given the Epiusius, the super substantial bread. And after we receive the bread in the Our Father, the next verse is us asking for forgiveness of sin. 
in the Holy Eucharist, what did Christ say? This is for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. And then the Our Father sends us, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The word mass literally means to send, go. And so the perfect prayer and the perfect sacrifice line up. The perfect prayer is said in front of the consecrated Eucharist. And it is the absolute pinnacle and climax of our faith, pointing to the Exodus, pointing to eternity, and everywhere in between. It's a timeless moment. And you brought up Justin Martyr in the ones you wanted slides you wanted to talk on. Yeah, I, this is a, a fun little thing we did throughout here. We kind of uh, we, we did a little bit of uh, forgery of icons and slapped <laughs> right in front of it these pictures to go ahead and bring uh, these quotes together. Not only do you have Lego mass and Lego churches, you got Lego icons to go with this. <laughs> yeah, we uh, <laughs> let me see here. This is on page uh, 163 in the book. And then so St. Justin Martyr, the quote that he gives here and all these quotes along the mass, he says, it says, St. Justin Martyr said, and this food is called among us the Eucharist, of which no one is allowed to partake. But the man who believes that the things which we teach are true and who has been washed with the washing that is for remission of sins and unto regeneration, and who is so living as Christ has enjoined. And so we make sure to quote the early church fathers along the way, because what they say is so powerful. I'm just looking to see, do you got a, where's another one at? There's an icon, here's a, here's P.O. Uh-huh. Yeah, St. Padre Pio, his... Uh, Oh, it, maybe you could read it. Your screen might be bigger. Yes, uh, the quote is, always remain close to the Catholic Church because it alone can give you true peace since it alone possesses Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, the true Prince of Peace. Yeah, and that's this is really what makes our book so fun is to be able to teach children uh, the ins and outs and families. There's so much more in here that families can really take a look at. But look, you know, Christ said faith can make a mountain move. Our faith literally makes the mountain of Calvary present every time we are at Mass. And and here you've pulled up a picture of, <laughs> of uh, them passing through the Red Sea. And <laughs> yeah. this is what we do every time we walk into, we, we do it through the baptism, but then we do it through our renewal as we walk through the waters of the new Exodus whenever we attend Holy Mass. Yeah. We bless ourselves and recall our baptism. If you go to, you want to have some fun, The uh, if, you, if you back up a few slides and keep going back, anytime in this book, so go to the first plague. The, it'll be up a little. There you go, right there. Anytime we have cross-pollination, so our first book, we do cover the plagues, but anytime we have cross-pollination, we take it a step further for the for children to learn more. And so in this one, we don't just say the plagues, but we explain the correlating false god of the Egyptians as to why God did what he did. Right. You know, so God didn't just use the plagues to, to torture the people. He used the plagues to show that he was the one true God. And so you can see, you know, Pharaoh believed in Happy, the water bearer, and the false Egyptian god of the Nile. And 
the first plague was turning the river into blood. And if you go to the next picture, you'll see Pharaoh. See, here's a fun. <laughs> Tell me kids won't remember this. Pharaoh <laughs> believed in Hecate, the false Egyptian goddess with the head of a frog. So there it is. We've got Pharaoh worshiping Hecate. Well, Hecate ended up uh, being deemed powerless. And God's second plague brought a plague of frogs to the land. And you have the, the next uh, plague is Pharaoh believed in, in Jeb false Egyptian god of the dust. So the third plague was dust and gnats swarming up to plague the people. And this is how the book just really lines up. Uh, yep, <laughs> this is one of my favorite ones. Uh, Pharaoh believed in uh, Kefri, the false Egyptian god of creation with the head of a fly. So there there you have it. I mean, and this is how we line up. I love the fly swatter. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so it's just, it's such a great way to teach children super orthodox and transcendent teachings of our faith. And I'm just thinking of uh, Teresa of Avila's feast days a couple of days ago. She talked about how uh, how humorous she was and uh, Philip Neri, joyful and laughing, was a practical joker and things like that. Laughter. So I was just thinking, you know, laughing one, having fun with everything and not taking everything so serious in the sense of, oh, this is blasphemous. It's Legos. And you're teaching the faith to the to kids in a way they're going to remember and latch on to. Like, who's the, I'll never forget there was a guy running around with a fly swatter. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had uh, in, in our first book, we go through after we explain the Eucharist as the covenant then it's the perfect time to go in and talk about Our Lady because she's the Ark of the Covenant. Uh -huh. And so we have a lot of typology there showing her as the new Ark. And so uh, one of the things, uh, one of the typological things about the Ark was, you know, the old Ark traveled to the hill country of Judea. Mary traveled to the hill country of Judea. Well, we were with some friends of ours during Thanksgiving and their young kids were in front of us and, and the reading that day, it was Thanksgiving, was that Mary traveled to the hill country of Judea. Well, in our images there, the only way we could think of children being able to learn the importance of, Ju the, of the typology there was by putting a sign up as they entered that said, welcome to the hill country of Judea. And so then we have the same sign as Mary is entering the hill country, like a stupid sign you would see today. Welcome to wh whatever town you live in. And so there it is. And as we were in Mass, and this is a wonderful family, military family, he heard the reading. The, these kids would never turn around in a million years. And the reading was, Mary went to the hill country of Judea. And he turns around, and he goes, welcome to the hill country of Judea. And like, boom, perfect. It's there. It's there. These Lego pictures, they're going to forget them someday. They're going to grow in faith. But what these Lego pictures do for them is help their faith transcend into the next part. Because guess what? There is a reason that people haven't learned all of the typology that they need to know. And it's because it hadn't been taught to them. This does that. This helps to fill in that gap for children so that they can make the jump from adolescence to adulthood inside of the Catholic faith. And just because something is, is uh, profound doesn't mean it's complicated. Yeah, and this, say, I would does say that. this is a good lead off to 
the tragedy box. So you, you get them started on this, you get them to the catechisms from all over the place after that, it's easier to talk to them with. You can explain it. Or or if there's, hey, you remember this photo? We remember with, with the tent with the with the seven plagues. You remember this plague and they're going through that or uh the commandments or the catechism or the sacraments. You can easily now focus that and relate to that in their minds and they'll be able to it's kind of like Kevin Yost's book, uh, Memorize the Faith. You get it in your memory, it's not going to come out. It's, he uses right. the term, uh, just bring up Legos. Uh, they use the idea of uh, your mom and dad. I remember this from years ago. Your mom and dad are sitting there drinking coffee. And that's the whole idea. If you cannot have Christ, you cannot have the church as your fa- uh, your mother without Christ. Was it Without God as your father, you can have the church with you without your mother. So they're all sipping on coffee, drinking together. You got your mom and dad there, or uh, Cheerios and the Theotokos. Uh, the O is the O's, and this that memory right there it gets ingrained in you, so that you will never forget what it is. Or a, a leap, uh, <laughs> a frog leaping around. Our ladies goes Isaiah encircling a lady, encircling a, uh, the uh, the a virgin. Uh, Things like that will get you ingrained. You won't forget these things. So this same thing with your Lego book. Right. And and don't we want to effectively teach? That's really the key. And what about teachers that are thrown in as volunteers inside of a class that don't have any tools to be able to impart the faith, really, other than some horrible RE program that uh, just teaches the same thing for the fifth year in a row as these children are supposed to develop in their faith? And, and I mean, well, and, and of- I just, I kind of messed up. I didn't tell you who said the, that, that quote with the people sipping with mom and dad sipping on their coffee, who made that quote, St. Cyprian. Oh, did he really? So you're <laughs> sipping and remember, oh, they're sipping on coffee. That's St. Cyprian doing that. So things like that, it's easy to remember. That's yeah. And well, and even, you know, in, in our first book in the catechism of the seven sacraments, look, so many, so often people don't realize, you know, oh, confession. Look, confession, where is confession in the Bible? And we show this through images. There are only two times in the scripture when God breathes on his people. The first is when God breathes into the nostrils of Adam and Adam has life. Well, Adam sinned, sin brought death. Christ then appears to his, his disciples and he breathes on them. And he says, go and forgive sins. Whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven and retained are retained. That same breath of God that brought life into Adam but was lost through sin now breathes the authority of removing sin so that we can have that life-giving breath of God, the Ruha again, that we can live with him forever and eternity. Mm-hmm. And yeah, here's here are some pictures from the first book. It's all the same design. The first book is almost, I don't know, there's almost 800 pictures just like this yeah. to bring typology. On that one page, uh, I think it, if you go back to, yeah, if it'll let you stay on that one, I know you're doing this through. But we show how, look, you know, you had to have an unblemished lamb for the first Passover. And here's Christ now being led to the crucifixion in the Passover. And what does Pontius Pilate say? He says, I find no fault in him. Here's your perfect lamb. There it is right there. And then, of course, he was he was punished and brought to the crucifixion. But why did Pontius Pilate say those words? It wasn't there. 
it's it echoes through the Old Testament into the New Testament all the way to today, mm-hmm. where we still get to participate in the Paschal mystery. Well, here's the link again, ladies and gentlemen. The Holy Mass on Earth as it is in Heaven. It'll be in the show notes. I'll put the uh, the original book in there as well. The show notes are just again, it's underneath. Just check it out to get the links. And uh, yeah, any questions? I guess uh, they could contact you. And there's a preview for you as well on their on their page. Yeah, um, you can you can get it through Sophia Press. You can get it from Holy Heroes. Um, you can you can get it directly from us too. We we set up a little online store. It's called uponthisblock.com. It's a good name, huh? Uponthisblock.com. <laughs> so, uh, but but if you know, please, if you do go to uh, purchase it, stay away from the rainforest. Get it from Sophia Press. Get it from Holy Heroes. Get it from us, and uh, and and avoid the rainforest. In fact, I will if you uh, uh, give you a promo code too for free shipping for your listeners, uh, so that they don't have to go to the rainforest. And if they enter in uh, census, they'll get free shipping. Hey, there you if, go. From uponthisblock.com. <laughs> That's just such a great name for a Lego book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we also have a few little guides. We do have a guide on the rosary. We I, have, I saw that there's some there's a sacrament of reconciliation, holy rosary. Station yeah, of the and, cross coming soon. And the, yeah, and the station of the cross coming soon. Uh, the confession guide is really a uh, it, it's it's a really nice confession guide and an examination of conscience is really what it is, with a few cute pictures maybe to help. Uh, uh, kind of disarm children as they approach the sacrament of confession. And uh, there have been a few times where it was all I had. I actually have read it, and it's a, it's a very good examination of conscience. <laughs> very good. Uh, Kevin, I appreciate it. Again, all the links will be below in the show notes, along with the promo code that he just announced. I had no idea he was doing that, so that just that was an impromptu thing on his part. No, I appreciate that, Kevin. Thank you. And, of course. Uh, uh, yeah. Any uh, Any final thoughts? You know, the book does release on the 25th, but Holy Heroes and UponThisBlock.com do have it. And so if anybody orders today, we'll ship it out right away. They are expecting because, of course, you know, in today's uh, well-oiled machine that is called the world, there's a paper shortage <laughs> that you wouldn't even know it if, if there wasn't a shortage of everything. But they are expecting that uh, the book, we, we will probably run out of it before Christmas. Uh, so if you're going to order it as Christmas presents, get it get it right away. And I know Holy Heroes is always saying, uh, hey, get it before we're out of it. But they are very, very serious. It uh, It is going to run out. Fantastic. Now, Kevin, again, thank you for your time. And uh, again, links below in the show notes. Kevin, appreciate it. Have a great rest of the day. Thanks, Thanks. again, and uh, congrats on the second book. And are, is there a third one coming? Well, uh, yeah, there's a third, a fourth, a fifth. I, I hope that this is what we get to do on this side of heaven. And uh, will there be a Lego Catholic movie, just like the Lego movies? Oh, I not unless Lego dictates that. <laughs> that won't be up to me. And if you think I'm going to do after doing all this. To go to stop motion, that'll never happen. (laughs) Thanks again for your time, bud. Thanks so much. Take care.